Hello, and welcome to the IBCD Care and Discipleship Podcast. I'm Bob Gowsward, and with me is Jim Neuheiser, the Executive Director at IBCD and the Director of Christian Counseling Program at RTS Charlotte. Jim, today's question deals with counseling medical issues. And as we look at medical issues, it would be good to think about what types of medical issues we might encounter as biblical counselors. Um, several different kinds of situations come up, Bob. Sometimes we're counseling people who are suffering physically. And there's nothing that we as biblical counselors can do to relieve suffering of the body in the sense someone has chronic pain, someone has been diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease or cancer or even Alzheimer's. But where we can help them and where the Bible is sufficient is helping someone whose body is wasting away to find the hope that we have in the gospel of Christ and, and how to live with this trial in a way that honors God. And so you know, passages that come to mind would be uh, at the end of 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul declares, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That was right after he had said that our outer man may be decaying, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. And this is where actually eschatology, thinking about prophecy, future things, is glorious, that we can offer a believer hope that their suffering now one day will seem to them to be something that was brief and momentary and not overwhelming because of the, the glorious hope they have in Christ. And then also to help them to see that their suffering is an opportunity for God to work, as we see in James 1, where God works through our trials to make us more Christ-like. Sometimes people are suffering and it's something temporary, not terminal. And in the midst of recovering from surgery or you know, an accident where they're in a great deal of pain, learning to see God's hand in this and how God is conforming them to Christ. And then also just when we suffer, we can suffer to the glory of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ in his perfection and his humanity suffered perfectly in, in all of his suffering, especially ultimately in the cross to the glory of God. And so when we suffer, we're walking in his steps and we can have a, a testimony to others as God gives us grace to trust Him and to endure. And, you know, the, the, the line in Job, Though He slay me, yet I will trust Him. And, you know, in the end of Job chapter 1, where He says, The Lord gave, the Lord take, took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this He did not sin. And so uh, that kind of suffering in terms of physical pain, even a sense of a, a loss of abilities one previously had. You'll never run again. You'll never swim again. Uh, we have hope in the gospel. If you'd like me to go on, there's a second category. Do you want well, to actually, I'd else? like to interject here uh, briefly. Um, do we treat counselees with temporary afflictions differently than we treat counselees that maybe have either terminal affliction, whether that be leading to death, or afflictions that may be things like... Uh, suffering of fibromyalgia or something to that effect. Right. Yeah, it was interesting. At the Biblical Counseling Coalition in December, we had Johnny Erickson Tata and her husband Ken there. And so 50 years earlier, she broke her neck. And she's been suffering, and she's still suffering. And what's glorious, actually, she described how a young man really gave her biblical counsel when she was still beginning 
the process of recovery to get to the state she is in now and still is a quadriplegic, but how the Word of God has sustained her now for 50 years of chronic suffering, not only of what she can't do, but of chronic pain. She's been through cancer. And so it's just amazing how she's a testimony of how the Word of God does enable one, and in, in her case too, seeing how she could glorify God in the midst of her suffering instead of just saying, well, you know, I'm going to be paralyzed from the neck down. When she had thoughts of dying and didn't have the ability to do it, and but then not just sitting around watching TV all day for the next 50 years, but finding a path by which she can exalt God in her suffering. So I can see how somebody's focus might be on their circumstance. And I think what you're saying is that focus should be on Christ and on God. And that, treat, that allows us to look at um, our life and our worship of God in our current situation differently. Is that correct? Yes, and sound theology is the foundation of all biblical counseling. And so when you understand, as Ephesians 1.11 says, He works all things together according to His will. We all know Romans 8.28, He works all things together for good for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. Those are easy verses to rattle off when somebody else is suffering. And I think we need to be careful how we would just toss Romans 8.28 yesterday, I read this verse and call me in the morning, but I think sitting with someone, listening, caring, but then helping them, how can God be glorified in this? How, what good is God doing in this? I'm thankful for their, I mean, obviously examples of Jesus suffering and others in Scripture. At the end of Hebrews 11, you have these people, you know, some were delivered and some, men of whom the world is not worthy, who suffered and died for their faith. Uh, the example of real-life people we can meet, Johnny Erickson Tata. And so encourage someone, helping them to grapple with that for themselves is not easy. And even hearing Johnny's story, it wasn't just like she got the verse and it was easy. You know, people sat with her, prayed with her, cared for her, and walked through this with her so that God has enabled her to have this perspective. And even then, I think it's a day-by-day -day thing. So that's the, the chronic sufferer. Now, there's sometimes people, I think the people who are suffering temporarily, where they're very, very sick. I mean, when you're that sick, there's some question in your mind and your heart, am I going to get better? I know even in my life, I've ruptured an Achilles and different things. Am I ever going to run again? Am I ever going to walk again? And, and so again, the Bible gloriously speaks to us to help us to endure suffering of all kinds, but also to get our focus off of ourselves and onto the glory of God. Hebrews 12, speaking of Jesus, he's saying, you haven't yet suffered to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. But he says, remember Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, that he was able to endure the suffering because he had the prospect of the joy of actually saving us and honoring the Father and that enabled him to endure. And so it's essentially that message that people who are believers who are suffering need and of course, if you're meeting with an unbeliever, it's a reminder of their great need. You know, the suffering they're experiencing now is a reminder that they can't cope on their own. And not to mention the suffering they'll experience if they're separated from God. But in Christ, there's forgiveness. In Christ, there's deliverance. In Christ, there's help through the suffering of life. Do we treat um, mental illness differently from the physical ailments that you described? Yeah, mental illness is a really challenging topic, and it's probably the topic on which I get more questions than anything else. That there are people who have clear 
clearly diagnosable brain problems. Uh, I've met with a man who was brain injured. I've met people who are schizophrenic and I've been told by medical authorities that many people with schizophrenia, you can scan their brain and see there's deterioration taking place. Uh, Dr. Charles Hodges, who's written a lot about this and done a lot of study, talks about certain people who've been diagnosed bipolar, that they really have something physiologically going on with them, uh, not to mention autism, dementia, Alzheimer's, or other clear categories. Um, then there are other cases. I was, before we started this session, I was with a pastor who's got someone in his church who is exhibiting bizarre behavior, and I don't know whether this is something merely spiritual or whether there's something physical influencing this. And there can be many cases in counseling where you may wonder if there's something going along physically with brain problems that this person's thinking is so unclear or bizarre, or whether it's merely spiritual. And in a case like that, one is you get them to a doctor to see if a doctor can diagnose something genuinely physically wrong with them. And there may be medical help or even medical understanding. But as I think as Ed Welsh said, there may be a physical problem, there is always a spiritual issue. And so I've known people who have been told their mind is deteriorating with Alzheimer's and that is a great spiritual struggle for a believer to trust God and honor God in the midst of that. Uh, people who have had to deal with other limitations, you know, the person who's been brain injured and he's not going to be able to get a normal job and function. And so how is he, how are his family going to cope with that disability? How are they going to do what they can, what he can? Again, not just to sit and watch TV till he dies, but what can he do to glorify God and figuring out what abilities he does have, trying to work with doctors to maximize those abilities rather than just to give in to the suffering. So it sounds like it's, it's helpful to have a good network of uh, physicians. Um, where do psychiatrists fit into the equation? Um, psychiatrists are medical doctors who can prescribe medicine, who have extensive medical training, who should understand brain and brain function, and so they are. That's a very valid and helpful medical discipline that could we could work with someone as that psychiatrist explains what's going on with the brain, what's going on physiologically with this person. He offers what help he can but also as he explains the effects of the disease on us. This person has schizophrenia, they're bipolar one or two, and uh, that will help us to counsel the person to cope with their struggles, to understand what they can do, and also to help family members and other caregivers. Uh, so you know, psychologists tend to be more talk therapy uh, would be a, a different category as opposed to the psychiatrists who are medical doctors. So you mentioned schizophrenia and um, what I've seen and witnessed and even heard is that schizophrenics, after they've been on medication for quite a while, they are feeling better and they want to get off of medication. What do you do in that case if uh, a counselee who has schizophrenia or some other like uh, mental illness comes to you and they want to get off their medication, how do you approach that? That does seem to be a very common problem with schizophrenics, is they hate the meds, they hate the side effects. And the principles that come to my mind is this person needs to think about two things biblically. First of all, how can I best honor God? 
And second of all, how can I show love to others? And we honor God by showing love to others. That's sometimes the more clear question. So here is the wife who's been diagnosed schizophrenic. When she's not on the meds, she's having delusions, she's hearing voices, she's exhibiting bizarre behavior, which is making life miserable for those who care for her. And if she stays on the med, she's much more stable. And to some extent, that may be a sacrifice for her because it creates side effects that affect her more than them. But I think for that person to humble themselves and say, my family members who love God, who love me, have told me that I'm better off with this and they're better off with this, then it's humbling yourself. I think a lot of times for a person who's been diagnosed with a mental illness, addressing the temptation to pride, that they know better than their family, than the doctor, than everybody else, and sometimes it goes along with the delusions they're prone to have and say, I need to ultimately trust God, but then I need to trust the people who love me. I need to confess and acknowledge my brain isn't always working and my thinking is not always clear. And so I need to trust my spouse, my parent, my brother, people who are thinking clearly, who do care about me and humble myself instead of asserting my will and for the good of others and to the glory of God, submitting to the people who probably know better than I do what's best for me. And that, that is, a, I think that's the heart of where the struggle will be. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, other areas that I've seen that I'd like you to comment on is somebody who is delusional. They don't think they need help. Um, they obviously need help. Their families are a mess. Um, how do you handle somebody that maybe comes, or maybe a family comes to you, and they have um, either a husband or a father who is delusional, and they need help in not only the family life, but in helping convince maybe the delusional person that they need help as well. Ideally, if the delusional person professes Christ, I would seek to argue from Scripture if there are people, their elders who have authority over them, parents who love them and have authority over them, even a spouse who cares about them, that part of humbling themselves is to recognize, they need to acknowledge it's possible that everybody else is right and this one person is wrong, which is some level of godly humility. Now you're praying the Spirit will help them to get that. You're trying to work past not only the sin of pride, but what's going on in their body which is influencing them. And so you're pleading with God to, to work that they would be willing to do that. Uh, there are cases where the delusional person won't listen to anybody, and, to, and that's where almost you move. Jay Adams used to say you need a pastor, a policeman, and a doctor for any problem. And that's where if he won't listen to the pastor, he won't listen to you know, anybody giving godly spiritual advice, family pastor, whoever, he won't listen to the doctor who would tell him that he, his brain isn't functioning correctly and it's lying to him and he needs to be under the care of others. There can be situations where people against their will, if they're a danger to themselves and others, have to be committed or sometimes in their delusional behavior they do things illegal or harmful to others that it winds up being a necessity to get government authorities involved. You strive to avoid that with the pastor and the doctor approach, but it sometimes will get to that. And sometimes what's really hardest is that the, they won't listen to the pastor, they won't listen to the doctor, they won't listen to the policeman, and until something is done way over the top, they have the power to continue to harm themselves and to break the hearts of the people who love them, and you're, there's not much you can do. And that may be where you need to counsel the caregivers that you've done all you can, as far as is possible with you, to be at peace with all men. And you just have to 
leave it in the hands of God as hard and painful as that is. And, and I have friends who are going through that right now and you know, with an adult child who goes off and does things that he shouldn't do and they ha they, they've done everything they can and that's where they just have to leave it in God's hands as hard as that is. Are there other ways um, or thoughts that you have around counseling the family or the caregivers, um, things that may provide help uh, to them, other than just kind of giving them the uh, reality that this may not get better? And when I think of Jeremiah 17, it says, don't trust in men or make the flesh your strength, but trust in God. You know, if you trust in men, you'll be like the bush in the desert. If you trust in God, you'll be like uh, the, the river of water. I would apply it going both ways, the tree plant by the river of water. One would be that you can't save your family member. Only Jesus can save them. And if you're trying to be Jesus and you're trying to save them, you don't have the power to change their heart, to listen to you, listen to wisdom. All you can do is offer that to them, but you can't control them. And you just have to leave that in the hands of God. And, and again, they need Christ, not you. That's the other danger is that if, if you become Jesus to them, they're just going to get mad at you because you're going to fall short. In the midst of their suffering, they need to look to Christ in their confusion, in their sadness. And, and again, that's where the eschatological hope comes in, just like the person with the terminal illness. One day, Johnny Erickson will be able to swim and run, and one day the person who is schizophrenic will be thinking clearly, and the person who is bipolar will be stable. And in the meantime, there's, that's their suffering to the extent we can't, you know, there are spiritual things you can do, I think, to make it less. I think there can be medical interventions, but it's trusting in God and then thinking long-term for the joy set before us that we can endure. And I think that's also where the church should be coming in. That you know, It's easier if somebody has a quadriplegic in the house to realize they need help than if someone has a schizophrenic. <laughs> but the schizophrenic can be harder and so I think for the church to be there, to help, to care, to love, to share the burdens, to bear one of those burdens and fulfill the law of Christ is very important. You know, the family, the church, uh, there, there are people genuinely suffering and the caregivers can be overwhelmed and they need help and care as well. Um, Jim, are there any other resources that people could reference that would help them in counseling somebody with medical issues? We've had Dr. Charles Hodges, who's both an ACBC fellow counselor as well as being a medical doctor who's been practicing almost 40 years. We've had him at IBCD several times addressing these issues generally, plus particular issues, bipolar, schizophrenia. And all of that's on the IBCD website for free, for free download and listen to that. His book, Good Mood, Bad Mood, deals with depression, bipolar, medical issues as well. And then Ed Welsh has some wonderful material. Uh, Blame It on the Brain is so helpful. And he has another downloadable book that deals more specifically with diagnoses. And Mike Lemelet, who's a medical doctor with CCF, has also done some work there. You can look on their website for his books, articles as well. Thank you, Jim. This concludes our podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit ibcd.org or download our app.